Hey there, I'm Chris Desmond. This is the Uncomfortable Is Okay podcast, where we make it easier for you to get out of your comfort zone through conversation, community, and challenge. Today we've got a pretty sweet guest for you. His name is Sam O'Sullivan. He's a clinical psychologist, and he is the founder and host of Tough Talk New Zealand, which is a web series designed to reduce the stigma surrounding men's mental health here in New Zealand. So I've been following along with Sam's work for a little while now and, and watching his videos and that. They're amazing. So when he was in Wellington last, it was it was awesome to be able to sit down and have a little bit of a chat with him about the work that, that he's doing. Because over the past couple of years, Sam's been of no fixed abode. So he's hard to pin down. He's been traveling around New Zealand and his trusty high ace fan has discovering what everyday Kiwi's views are on being a man and finding out what men do for their well-being. And this journey has been pretty enlightening for Sam, actually, going around and talking to a bunch of of different dudes, all from, from different backgrounds, with different viewpoints, and pulling together some of the tools that they use to, to look after themselves and look after their families and communities as well. While this conversation is focused mostly on men's mental health, there is definitely something in it for, for the ladies as well. And we talk about Sam's background, but about my background and about some of the mental and emotional challenges that we faced growing up in, in New Zealand and kind of still face along the way today. And we've talked we talk about Sam's this epic project that he's undertaking at the moment and the, the discomfort around some of that. I want to thank you guys for your patience as well in terms of waiting for these interview based episodes to come back online. It's been a pretty full on time for me recently um, so it's nice to kind of start the ball rolling uh, with these again and apologies in advance if the schedule gets a little bit disrupted over the over the coming months but we'll try and bring you one again every week but with that being said thank you so much for getting uncomfortable with Sam and I today. Good morning Sam welcome to the uncomfortable is okay podcast how are you doing today? Yeah, good. Thanks, Chris. Thanks for having me. Oh, that's all right. Well, actually, thanks for having me. Um, where you're staying, just kind of looking out over the the hills around Porirua. It's a pretty uh, pretty special place out here, eh? Mm, yeah, really should thank my sister because it's yeah her place and her yeah. partner Andrew. Thank you, thank you, guys. <laughs> um, hopefully, you're listening to the podcast. So yeah, thanks for inviting us in here and, and letting us sit down and have a bit of a chat. Sam, what I usually like to start with with people is to get a little bit of a background about you and a, a bit more of an idea about sort of who you are. So maybe, do you want to start with where you grew up? And then maybe if that goes quite quickly, was there a formative experience that you, you had when you were younger that has kind of shaped you as the person that you are today? Yeah, well, I was, I was born up in Auckland on the North Shore. And I was there till I was about five years old. And then I went down to Queenstown for a few years, which was a really magical place to grow up in. I think I think that was quite formative and that I was quite shaped by, you know, those magical mountains and the outdoors and going ice skating and skiing. And then we moved back up to Auckland, which um, was a little bit sad for me because I've never felt a really strong identity with Auckland as a place. And from there, I moved down to Dunedin, where I studied for about seven years as a clinical psychologist and then finally moved to Wellington, which was the last place I lived. And it's been about a year, just over a year on the road, traveling in a van all around the country. We're almost done about two loops of it now. We're going to, well, soon we're going to be heading down to, down to Queenstown starting tomorrow. 
Awesome, mate. And I definitely want to get into why you were doing that soon. But there were a couple of things there that I wanted to have a little bit of a, a chat about. I mean, when the, the first one is pretty kind of, it's just purely interest for me. When were you in Dunedin for uni? It's a good question. I'm always really bad at remembering the years. What is it now? It's 2018 now. <laughs> yeah, I did. So it must have been. It would have been around 2009. I was there for seven years. Around then somewhere. Okay, cool. I'd probably gone by the time that you you arrived. I think my last year down in Dunedin was two thousand and five. Yeah, yeah. I think it was after that. Trying to two thousand seven, mm. eight, nine. Yeah, I mean Dunedin's a it's a cool city and it's a cool city to be a student in as well, just because everything's kind of so mm. so close and uh, you do get a real sense of community and sense of identity down there. Um, and that was actually one other thing that I was curious about is that you you never had kind of identity for yourself in Auckland or you f- you found that Auckland as a city sort of lacked a little bit of identity and no offense to any of the Aucklanders that are listening yeah no I, I certainly don't want to offend and um, I have found pockets in Auckland that I that I really enjoy yeah it's, it's, it speaks to something really deep for me I think I was quite a naturally quite a creative person and really wanted to express myself in quite a maybe colorful way or uh, and growing up in Auckland and I went to an all-boys school I didn't really feel able to do that I felt it was quite repressed really or, or blocked by at least what I felt were people's expectations of me and certainly the way other people were behaving and expressing themselves yeah I felt really unable to fully be myself and in fact when I did I was often bullied for it which is I think probably you spoke of a formative experience I think that would have been the most formative experience experiences in my life was being bullied through high school you know to the point where I didn't want to stand out I didn't want to answer questions in class I didn't want to yeah just be seen yeah, I really tried not to be seen and it led to massive issues with social anxiety throughout my life, panic attacks, low mood, depression, big problems with my mental health. So I've come a long way. I'm doing a video project now and certainly getting more used to being uncomfortable. And actually that's been key, absolutely key to my development has been putting myself in situations that make me uncomfortable and doing it anyway. Well, I mean, that's what the podcast is all about as well. And that's one one of the reasons that I really wanted to, to have a chat with you. But I Kind of harking back to high school, I think it's a like it's a really challenging time. That I mean, I'm only speaking from the experience of a of a young Kiwi male with this as well. That at high school, it seems like you almost society wants you to fit into into a box, or at least it did while I was at high school. And kind of you're you're someone that you should be playing sport and you should be kind of following these these masculine pursuits mm. and those don't always kind of lend themselves to being able to really express yourself creatively Mm. like in in New Zealand society you can as a young guy you can express yourself physically and that's kind of that's praised but sort of if you're doing something that's a little bit more creative other than maybe sort of shredding electric guitar or Mm. banging on the drums you are seen as a little bit weird and you're seen as a little bit of an outsider and and I think Obviously, I'm not in the kind of high school system at the moment, but I think society's changed over Mm. the, what, 17 years since I left high school, and it's changed for the better. I think, it seems to me anyway, that there are less pressures or there's more acceptance of kind of exploring your creativity as a young male than there was sort of back in the in the 80s and 90s but that we still have a way to go in terms of kind of allowing our our young males to do that and kind of be curious and go and explore these things that they 
might be interested in. And I mean, they, they may start something and actually decide that, hey, no, it's not for them. But I think it's it's kind of having that space to understand that because it's not for them, not it's not for them because all of their peers and everyone else around them is putting pressure on them and bullying them or kind of making them feel less worthy because they're, they're testing out something that is different or seen to be slightly mm. outside of the kind of mainstream young male society. Yeah, I think schools are becoming more supportive generally around, yeah, more creative pursuits. But that certainly wasn't my experience. And I remember doing one creative writing assignment and I did really well and I remember being praised for it, but we never did another creative writing assignment again. So I never remember doing one more in high school. So I didn't really feel supported in that. So that went away and I would have loved to do something like theatre, but I was a shy kid by nature. So I would have needed more support. I think to do that and it just wasn't there and certainly there was especially in my school a really strong conformity to the masculine perceived masculine activities like rugby was huge and I you know I gave rugby a go you know and I gave soccer a go and I gave you know all the sports a go and ended up quite liking some more sports like softball and hockey because I think had the hand-eye coordination like I could do that but yeah there was a really like in-group mentality and it was really supported by the school as well the principal like would just read the rugby notices most of the time and you know the first 15 was given a lot more money than a lot of the other sports team all these sort of subtle things that were telling you that's what you're supposed to do and because I wasn't very good at that or really felt connected to it, I felt like, yeah, it did feel like something was perhaps wrong with me or less worthy than those, you know, those boys that were, were able to do those things quite well. Yeah, I mean, it's an interesting situation. I mean, I played first 15 and I played first 11 cricket, but so I did, I did those things, but I also kind of felt like I was a little bit on the outer because I did, did other things that like academically I was I was pretty reasonable as well and I just remember one of the guys in the first 15 saying to me one day who is like it's lucky you're good at sport because otherwise you'd be a real nerd eh <laughs> I was like oh that kind of is sort of a backhanded compliment but that also sort of mm. stings a stings a little bit as well as that my kind of value and my self-worth was placed on my ability to kind of move my move my body and, and do these things and, and don't get me wrong I I really enjoyed like mm. I really enjoy playing sport and like it, it's a cool way that I try and express my create mm. some of my creativity as well but it's not everything for me I totally agree I, I think there's absolutely nothing wrong with playing sport and in fact team sports are really good for people and I think you know really good for lots of young men and I think it's just sad that the way New Zealand culture is or perhaps just some social ideas, you know, while we were growing up that stopped some boys from being able to do the things that they loved and ultimately just be themselves. So some people who maybe can do those things or, you know, conform to things that were supported like rugby and supported like cricket and those sort of things. That's awesome. Yeah, it's really cool. But also it's it's sad or people that are into other things didn't feel able to fully express those things and be themselves and even people like yourself you, you're sort of got a divide there and it's like one part of yourself that's really supported and another part is is not and it'll just be so much better and it's cool to see that things are moving more that way if just we could just be okay to be however we are and show up however we are in the world yeah that would be ideal it would be it would be and I, I think you're right then that they're kind of moving towards that and I mean in part it's sort of the convers like the conversations that we're having today that are hopefully helping to 
sort of just nudge things, nudge mm. things forward a little bit, but not to kind of blow this podcast's trumpet too much. Let's shift tack a little bit, Sam, because I'm interested in the reason that you went into, into clinical psychology in the first place. Mm. Was that based purely off your experiences with the mental health challenges that you faced or were there other reasons as well? It was actually one of those experiences which I didn't choose. In some ways, it chose me. So I started university by doing law. And I think I did that because expectations from my father more than anything. He said, oh, you should do something. You know, do something like law. And actually, the reason I did it was because you could take five other papers in science or arts. And I I did the arts. So I got to take papers in philosophy and anthropology and classics and politics and you know which I really enjoyed and I did one psychology paper in the second semester so it wasn't even initially and I ended up having my first experience with panic I had a panic attack in my law exam and I I didn't even really know why and I think there were lots of different factors going on at the time and all of a sudden I just had this you know like I don't know if some people probably haven't experienced a panic attack but all of a sudden for your whole body, your heartbeat just to go really fast and, you know, your vision to blur and your whole body starting to shake, you know, you don't know what's going on. You, you often think something physically is going wrong with you. I mean, it is physical. It's a physical experience, but it's, you know, it's triggered from something in your mind. So after that experience, I actually really questioned whether or not law was right for me. It was just almost like just made me stop and actually think about what I was doing. So become conscious of it and go, am I making the right decisions here? Which is in some ways quite fortunate. And I realized, no, I didn't want to do law. I actually didn't enjoy it at all. I just felt a lot of expectation to do well in that. So I just went on with what I was doing and I sort of reflected and said, I really like that psychology paper. I'm going to take some more psychology. So I did. I took, took more psychology and eventually got to that decision where it's like, oh, am I going to go on and do something like a master's? And I looked at the options and I saw clinical psychology, didn't even know what it was, and explored it a little bit and thought, oh, that's really cool. You know, I've always been someone who listens to people and always been someone people often feel safe to seek support from. And I've always been someone who can kind of spend time with people that other people might not want to be around. So I thought I'd give it a go and I did did Youthline to get a taste for it. And then went on to, you know, be like, okay, I need to really improve my marks here. So you had to, had to really push academically to get, get those up. But once I started getting A's, I kept getting A's. You sort of just figure out how the system works. Mm. And then, you know, got in and yeah and that it was and then it was really once I was in clinical psychology it became a way for me to really identify well I'm experiencing something called anxiety you know these physical symptoms I'm experiencing in my body you know are triggered by this fight flight process that you know and I was like I finally understood it I became aware of what was happening to me understood it and then started to seek out tools in order to improve and just started you know with that diaphragmic breathing you know just breathing slowly and and I felt some control and I started to shake a little bit less in my exams and and I started to I learned about mindfulness which was huge I learned oh wow you can focus your awareness you can get your attention on something in the moment such as your breath and you can actually teach yourself to do that and that'll take your you know your attention away from thoughts that are maybe negative in nature and those negative patterns that start occurring which often for me it was worrying about what people thought of me which are triggering all these physical sensations and then I and I started to really push my comfort zone intentionally I learned about something called exposure therapy which is taking steps small steps out of your comfort zone just make it a little bit harder so I started to teach psychology in postgraduate and I, that that was a really terrifying experience for me to get up in front of a group of people right on a whiteboard and I, I used to shake a lot so I was worried about people judging me for that which goes back to school again and you know being hassled during a speech and I just used to prepare lots and then you know have everything written on the board so I'd have to do minimal writing and then I'd take I'd remove some of that writing in the next lesson and just slowly slowly make it harder 
and slowly became more comfortable with teaching until I'd walk into that room, get up there, blank whiteboard, write up the lesson, teach a class really enthusiastically with a lot of passion, bring out like relevant, relevant examples. And I loved it. And it was really, really cool because I actually always wanted to be able to do that. But it was through psychology that I learned the tools and mindfulness. And with that exposure therapy that you that you used on yourself there, Sam, I mean, was that a kind of a, a conscious decision to, like you had kind of the process planned out in advance of, okay, once I can do this, then I'll go into this bit and then this bit and then this bit, or it was sort of something that you adapted as you went through based on kind of where you were at at the time? I think a bit of both. I think I initially went into it with a strong intention. I'm going to beat this thing. I was already experiencing some improvement. I'm going to I'm going to get up there. I'm going to do something I want to do. So yeah, I planned it and I thought about it and I said, what is the scary part for me? And I really sat down and realized it was actually writing on the board. That was mm-hmm. the main bit I was worried about. And it was having to set up some of the different apparatus in front of people. So I just came up with strategies. I made the students. I said, hey, why don't you set up the apparatus? I'll tell you how. So I got them to set up all the different, you know, um, Say they're doing a caffeine experience, they'll make the coffee and set it all up, which often, you know, the person um, teaching would do. And like I said, I prepared the board in advance and had the role already. I had things sort of, so I just had to quickly tick names and, you know, rather than write write things down in front of everyone. So I, I, I totally planned it and I thought about how to take steps. But I think once I started to do it, the steps became more just obvious from where I was at. I thought, oh, okay, next time I won't, I won't do that. Or no, I'm just going to do the same thing again next time because I just still feel I was quite, you know, had quite a lot of anxiety that time. I was sweating a lot. I'm just going to do it again to get a bit more used to it. So it was a a little bit fluid as I went as well. Yeah. And like, that's a concept that I really resonate with in terms of kind of the exposure therapy or like if you think about it from a a physical training point of view, it's, it's like a progressive progressive loading or progressive training program that you don't go out and like you don't go out and run a marathon after you've only Mm -hmm. run a 5k run beforehand that Mm. you need to that you need to build up and and you need to go slowly and sometimes you're going to get to a point where you hit a plateau for a little Mm. bit and that's where you need to sit and just kind of keep training at that level until you start to get a little bit better and sometimes things are going to happen on the way that you you have an injury or you have Mm. a setback and actually you need to sort of drop back a little bit just to kind of recoup and, and regather as well and I think, I mean, myself, I understand that kind of physical principles quite well. And I think for the most part, a lot of people do understand those those physical principles um, mm. a little bit more readily than kind of training yourself mentally and emotionally. Mm. But it's, it's very similar concepts of that graduated exposure and that, that kind of graduated, gradually increasing the load on your body's capacity to, to deal with that, which is, yeah, which is very cool. Did you know that you wanted to teach before you got up and taught? Or what was, can you talk me through that decision? It's hmm, a good question. No, I did. I did. I Something in me knew I would enjoy teaching. Like I wanted to, I think I'm someone who spends a lot of time learning something and then really thinking about it deeply so I can then talk about it really simply as opposed to using big words to inflate my own ego. And I really like that. So I used to sit for ages just drawing things out that were in my mind and trying to make it more simple and more simple. And I'd had a few experiences, I think, teaching with like a small class or a small group that I'd really enjoyed. But, you know, teaching a lab was about 30, you know, 30 plus people and a little bit more sophisticated in that, you know, we had to uh, get them to do an experiment and then click the data and then present it in front of them. So there was quite a lot to, um, to sort of hold as a teacher. So, yeah, no, I did. I did want to do it. 
Yeah, if that answers your question. Yeah, it does. You use the exposure, the kind of the graded exposure once you were already into it. But was it pretty uncomfortable actually sort of signing up to be a teacher while you were there? Yeah, I remember yeah having a lot of anxiety. And it was only really a little bit before that that I was really able to even recognize that's a thing called anxiety and that was helpful and to understand what was going on and you know like I made sure that we're not like a the sort of t-shirt where you'd see my sweat you know kind of things (laughs) that was the level I was preparing and you know shaky I think shaking was a big thing for me at the time and it still can be yeah huge and a huge uncomfortable I really just felt really challenged but it was I'd learned also previously that there was value to just putting myself in situations and I read about it you know I read about the way to overcome particularly social anxiety is just to be in the situation because once you're in the situation and what what you're scared of or what you what you fear doesn't come true there's some sort of deep learning that takes place within you that goes oh well that didn't come true so next time you're in that situation you feel less anxiety and you can't sort of tell yourself that you can't think about that you can't think your way out of it you actually have to do it and then like you say sometimes you have a hard day and your anxiety is high again so you have a lapse But yeah, I really knew I needed to do that. And so I just did it. I think most people want to be well. And I was hugely frustrated. I think I really wanted, I knew I had more potential than than I was showing the world. I think especially since high school, like I really tried to hide it. And yeah, I knew I I had the tools and I knew I I could see clearly in my mind the path. Um, So I knew I just had to do it. It's just like, you know, when you're on a diving board really high up and you're like, I just got to jump. I just got to (laughs) jump. You just kind of throw yourself in. That is the feeling. Yeah, yeah. And sometimes with that, the longer you leave it for, the harder it gets as well because that sense of anticipation just builds up. If you're going to bite the bullet that sometimes it's almost easier to do it to do it quickly but I think like another another thing in your situation there as well is that you had spent some time doing the prep work Mm. and almost kind of working through a bit of graded exposure yourself before you got to that stage I mean you knew your stuff that Mm. you'd, you'd kind of as you say spent hours just sort of learning but then making those principles more and more simple and then mm-hmm. and then you had sort of taught some small group situations so you kind of built yourself up to a level that yeah this is a this is a big jump for me and mm. it, it's gonna it's gonna spike my anxiety and it's going to be hard for me but you had a you had a base there that if you'd tried to do that sort of a year earlier then there was probably no way that you you'd be able to do it because you weren't at that you weren't at that stage where you were ready to kind of take that that next leap yeah. and I think that's I mean that's something that a lot of people kind of get frustrated with and, and almost sort of stop themselves from starting times because you think okay I've got this this goal that I want to achieve in the future but where I'm sitting at the moment seems it seems so far away and I said I have absolutely no idea how I can get there so maybe I'm not going to start just because it is it is so tough but actually as you go through you you learn new skills you have new life experiences and as long as you're kind of consistently pushing yourself to to get uncomfortable and to train your comfort zone to to expand then you're moving closer to being able to sort of take that leap towards that that goal or that challenge that you that you want to take whereas if you're just kind of sitting there and staying within your comfort zone actually you're, you're moving further away mm. because your comfort zone is probably going to regress because you're not you're not pushing it and you're just kind of continually having those those same safe experiences that you that you normally would have yep it get hard when you get stuck in that comfort zone to just go well i can i can live life this way 
But I, I bet people that are doing that, there's a small part of themselves that's sitting there going, I can really do this thing. I can really mm. live my passion. Yeah. And I think planning it, taking those steps beforehand were, were instrumental because, I mean, ultimately you want to avoid being in the situation you fear and for the feared outcome to come true. You know, like if the whole cl- like the class, like I just freaked out, I had to run out of class or something and not being able to teach, that wouldn't have been ideal and wouldn't have made me feel very good. But I knew there was always a risk of that. And I think at some point you just need to, you just need to say, I'm, you know, I'm prepared to take that risk. I've done, I've done the prep. And sometimes, you know, if I was lucky, I had the tools, I had the information, but sometimes you might not have that and you can find someone who does. Yeah, that's good advice as well. Sam, I want to, I want to get on to talking at the moment about the, the stuff that you're doing and the fact that you have been kind of on the road circumnavigating New Zealand for the, for the last wee while. So can can you tell us a little bit about Tough Talk, about what it is and, and kind of how the, the idea came into being for you? Yeah, well, in some ways it's a natural progression from what I was, what we've just been talking about. So Tough Talk is, in its current form, a documentary web series where I interview men from around the country about their stories of facing challenges and then finding and overcoming those challenges and finding the tools to do that. And I interview a diverse array of men. I try to interview men that are somewhat well-known and respected in their communities. Not not hugely known, not, not necessarily celebrities, but that are respected. Sometimes are physically strong, but not always. I try and, try and have diversity. So then people can see these men, actually see that they have a story and that they, they, they faced heaps of challenges, often, you know, with depression or anxiety, but, you know, learnt tools to overcome them. And a big part of that... Um, which is a core message of Tough Talk, is that to do that, they needed to basically learn to feel and express those emotions to other people and be supported by other people, which is tough. (laughs) And all those men say that was one of the toughest, most courageous things they did were actually like crying, you know, or talking to someone else about what they were really afraid of, what was really getting them down and actually being honest about it. Whoa, really tough and they're do that and then by doing that you know they would suddenly let something out and suddenly they're less angry you know they were less depressed and less anxious and more empowered to talk to people on an ongoing basis because they'd cross that initial comfort barrier like uncomfortable barrier and they say you know once they talk to someone they could just keep talking to people and being more and more honest which then they found people actually really liked and people really liked that genuineness and in doing so, also also allow other people, when you open up and be vulnerable, other people start to do it. And the more you do it, I find, and the more you actually experience joy, it opens up your capacity for joy, which is a message of um, Brene Brown. And yeah, it just leads to huge, huge upwards, upward spiral. And it's important. There's lots of, I guess, aspects of safety too. Like I wouldn't advise just going and opening up to just anyone. You know, I think it's really important you consider your environment. You're somewhere, you know, maybe initially private um, with someone that you trust or, you know, a professional if you don't have someone that you trust. But you can just find someone in your life that you that you actually get on with and you think can you can have that conversation with and you, you ask, you know, is it okay to have this conversation? They might not be in the best place for it. And then, yeah, you do it. And that's huge. And that's been a big part of my journey. So even, I feel like post-university, I kind of overcame my anxiety and then, I think I was kind of that realization of like, wow, I never, I didn't tell anyone about it the whole time, you know, none of my friends, my family didn't know I was being bullied at school. And I was, so I started to open up about those things too, and about those experiences, which I'm still doing, I'm still on a journey of. 
and it brings up a lot of emotions and you sometimes when I give talks about my story you know it's I have to stop and just breathe for a while because I'm just tearing up and yeah so that's very much part of my story part of the message of tough talk and it's not just my experience I think that's a big thing it's an experience that I'm seeing happening universally with all the men I talk to would 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 say that I haven't met one man that's like oh no you got to be in control of your emotions and block them no, I just haven't I haven't heard that at all yeah and there's lots of different other elements but I'll mm. see what else you have to say yeah <laughs> I think with that is as well as that when I was growing up is almost you kind of well I got the impression that it was that was what you were supposed to do is was to block your emotions and kind of just toughen up and, and be a man and I remember people asking me oh, how are you feeling and the kind of response was hungry <laughs> um, sometimes I was hungry <laughs> hungry or bored yeah all good all good yeah it's just uh, don't get me started on that how are you going oh good worse, worse is how are you going oh not bad <laughs> but yeah sort of a, a, over over time I've kind of had similar experiences in terms of sharing kind of firstly feeling those emotions and allowing myself to, to feel them and kind of realizing that oh no actually they're not bad they're just kind of part of life is actually to be able to feel your emotions and mm. sort of when you feel them and when you sit with them a little bit you can kind of start to understand where they're coming from and and how they're they're affecting you if you can if you let yourself feel them and you can kind of watch what happens mm. at the time and it's it's kind of harder to be a bit more of a, a dispassionate observer about these emotions that you're feeling because it's easy to get wrapped up in them as mm. well. But I think that's kind of where you were talking about mindfulness as one of the tools that you you utilize to sort of feel those emotions, but kind of understand where they're coming from and understand that actually they're normal to have mm. them rather than sort of getting frustrated at yourself for feeling all these kind of perceived negative emotions. Mm. That's something that's been kind of a hard thing for, for me to learn actually is to, to allow myself to, to first feel them. But once, I, once I've been able to do that, I can start to understand sort of where they're coming from and why I might be mm. feeling them. And that actually leads to, okay, I'm, I'm feeling this because I haven't gone and had this tough conversation mm. that's going to make me uncomfortable. But because I'm feeling this, I probably need to go and do it. Mm. But there's a massive amount of discomfort that, that sits, around, sits around that that sometimes I'm good at just kind of going and having those conversations and sometimes I just sort of, I'm not so good because I think, oh man, this is just way too uncomfortable. But the kind of double-edged sword with that discomfort and those feelings kind of linger until I've mm. gone and had this conversation and been able to kind of talk and express my feelings. And then actually, as you, as you were saying, that things kind of lift and mm. you think well actually that wasn't so bad I can I'm starting to experience a little bit more joy yeah. with this but for me it kind of comes and it comes and goes as well as that sometimes I do it well in some topics I do it well around in others that it's tough and it's I'm not so good at it yeah and it, I think it's actually a skill especially when you've maybe been someone who hasn't practiced it before or has blocked emotions to at first even just recognize them and be connected enough to your body to, to feel them. You know, even as I was talking to you, I could just sort of feel different emotions like running down my arm and, you know, my chest and down in my gut and just really starting to feel the different places where they inhabit almost. Mm -hmm. I think different emotions, you very much um, inhabit different parts of your body. Some really cool diagrams online you can look up if you've got emotions in the body. And it'll show you where, like, you know, where anger typically 
resides in the body, like where areas that are more intense and less intense. And I found those quite useful um, to help me recognize different emotions. And then the realization that emotions are signals, that they're really useful signals that tell you about something that you need to attend to, whether it is a conversation with someone else, or it could just simply be I need to actually sit and just experience these emotions and allow them to go through them through myself. And I, f- I find the key is not to push them away, not to sort of push away something that you might see as negative and also not to become too attached or hold on to or almost pull emotions towards you and like revel in them. It's sort of just letting them come through you until they just dissipate like just a little bit like a wave i find and it's like and idea I, I often talk about is surfing that wave you're just like just nicely gliding it going with it you know letting any tears come up letting you know letting anything come to the surface but not not just sitting that too long not letting it go around in your head in circles just letting it pass away and then you feel that that nice release you you talked about and um and doing that sometimes, yeah, sometimes that actually involves talking to someone else and sometimes it involves supporting someone else to do that. And I think if a lot of men could particularly learn from is actually an idea that a lot of women, certainly not all, seem to understand that actually solving someone's problem isn't coming up with the logical solution. It's actually just being there, holding that space and being someone that, that listens and that actually feels with them and just feeling and helping them feel is the solution to the problem that they're looking for. Yeah, and that is massively challenging (laughs) i have that problem uh, quite a lot uh, is that i'm looking to solve a problem because that's sort of what i do and and that's what i what i've done previously is that yeah here's a problem okay how do i deal with it how do i approach it and i mean part of my day job as as a physiotherapist is people come in and solve their physical problems for Mm. them and and help them with that and do a bit of management as well for the clinic that I work in and again that's that's problem solving and and then trying to sort of almost switch that off in relationships is is challenging for me because that's the way that I that I usually Mm. work so yeah it's something that I think that you need to like with that you almost kind of need to be quite vigilant about Mm. is that you're you almost need to pull back sometimes mm. from trying to solve a problem if you kind of catch yourself doing it and actually sort of think, actually, is this what that person wants? And sometimes you need to ask them mm. that question. Hey, do you want me to just be here? Or do you want me to see if I can figure out a solution for this? Because sometimes actually they do want a solution, but I'm not great at reading those signals. Yeah, and so I find it's an often a, a two-part, two-part thing. I think that often the first thing people want is just to be validated and to go i see you you know i hear you you know sometimes it's just pointing out to the person that you're valid like you're you know you're really good at doing podcasts <laughs> you know <laughs> that's one of those people who just you know really just like oh thank you i just needed to hear that and then and then you can start to discuss hey but there's also this problem with this say this person how are you going to approach that how are you going to make that step to having that conversation with them you know what if you invite them out for a coffee you can start offering suggestions but mm. i find that's often the second thing not always sometimes people are really solution there's one a solution they don't need that emotional connection and i find people actually just tell you they're like oh, no i don't need you know i don't need that i just i actually just want you to help me problem solve most people are pretty good at telling you maybe not everyone so it's worth considering both of those options yeah good advice but you're you're on season two of mm-hmm. Tough Talk now. What are some of the big things that you've learned about yourself going through this this creative process and, and having these conversations with with the men, but also kind of putting them out to the wider public for potentially some cr- confronting feedback 
And I'm sorry about the title of the email that I <laughs> yeah. sent you initially. <laughs> yeah, what, what was it? it was, I think um, it was getting uncomfortable with tough times. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I thought it was some, yeah, constructive feedback. To tell you the truth, I haven't actually experienced much challenging feedback. I really thought I would. And I, I almost wonder if that's because Tough Talk hasn't got out to a wide enough audience yet. Mm-hmm. I've even just seen the Seven Sharp interview I did with Sam Don Barber. The few comments on that that were saying that were a bit, a bit negative in nature, but not pre- they weren't very specific. It was just sort of like, ah, oh, you know, that's not very manly. And, you know, then that's, that's not a, I wouldn't consider that very, very useful feedback. And if someone, I have heard people say things like, oh, are you trying to say, you know, being a man is, is not a negative thing, I guess, being a man in sort of a more of a macho way. And that's not, not what I'm saying or anyone saying at all, actually. I think we're saying there's heaps of positive aspects of masculinity, like, you know, like being courageous, like being strong. And there's times when you can't be emotional. There's times when you do need to tough, be tough in that kind of hardened up sense because you're looking after a vulnerable person you just need to get through the situation for their sake or you're in the middle of a stressful work meeting and it's just not appropriate but just like physical situations where you've been running for ages or you know doing the hard yards you stop and you you know you're always going to take a chance to stop and relax and stretch and you know sit in front of a warm fire or whatever you need and it's the same emotionally you need to you need to take that time. So yeah, feedback hasn't actually been too tough. I suppose the feedback I do receive is often technical in nature, which is, mm-hmm. has been a big steep learning curve. It's like, oh, that audio didn't sound good. I'm like, I know I didn't have the microphone on the right setting. The sensitivity was too high or oh, some unexpected sound happened. Could I'm out to start outside. I mean, I'm editing a really cool episode at the moment with some firefighters and one of them has a bald head and the sun hits it and it's sort of created this quite lot of light which is making the takes away the sharpness of the video and i have since bought some lenses that filter out the sun but didn't have them at the time so it's not as sharp it's not as professional and you know and this is constantly happening i'm constantly learning and people will tell you every time something's not not looking good or not sounding good so i hear a lot of that but that's totally that's totally understandable i mean i didn't train as a filmmaker i've been working that out on the road really and has that been kind of one of the more uncomfortable things for you through this process is actually just every time do something there's this kind of something else comes up that is a little bit frustrating and hard to hard to get it is it is it has been really hard actually because as this is a project of passion you know i'm not really making any money yeah i just do i make money in lots of small ways so when something goes wrong it can really really gutting like it probably i mean even when you're making money it makes you quite gutted but just like recently my hard drive i don't know what happened it just stopped it happens with hard drives it just crapped out basically and i lost lost everything i had a lot of it backed up but i still had a few things that weren't and they were things i've been working on for a significant amount of time so i should have had better systems but you know i've learned that now <laughs> you've got those systems in place now so that that's challenging and yeah it can be challenging financially things things are feeling like all right right now but it, it can change quite fast being on the road can be really challenging like i haven't lived in a home for over a year now and it's getting tiring like i don't have my own space i'm in other people's spaces a lot and you know i always feel a sense to be reciprocal around that to do things for them so it's hard to just fully be like i'm in my space i've paid for this i can just relax and take a load off and there's a lot of logistics as you're moving around a lot you're trying to balance while doing work while having limited internet connection and and like you know i've got a solar panel on the van and there's not always solar power and there's, there's just a number of things that make it quite stressful yeah so that those those are big challenges living like that and summer was nice and now it's now it's winter and we're heading south so that's 
That comes with challenges. Yeah, yeah. And it's cold down there at the moment. So. <laughs> yeah. On the positive side, I'm now working with my partner, actually. We're just in the background there doing some work. Christina Ryan. And she's... A big challenge I had was marketing myself. I really found that hard to... Maybe it comes back to my shy nature and you know, put myself out there in a really strong way. And even I just didn't really enjoy doing that kind of communication side of things. Not where my passion lies. I like to create things. And so she's now doing that. And that's that's epic that's helping heaps and just having someone else to be around and to share the workload yeah the first six or so months seven months were on my own um, doing everything myself that was hard yeah long days and yeah not just not having someone to look over things actually sorry that said it wasn't always on my own heaps of people helped you know my friend dane scott helped me learn the film for a month he gave me a month of his time ali Ali and Felipe, two, two friends who came on for a few months and just helped, just did videography and edited a lot of the footage, you know, for nothing, just, just out of the love of it. So, yeah, it's been a lot of people have helped me out. Very cool. And I think you get help from a, a variety of sources when you're kind of embarking on, on a creative project, but actually you don't know about them before you start. Yeah. But actually people just kind of come out of the woodwork and think, ah, oh, that's really cool. How can I, I can help you out with, with doing doing this or give you a little bit of feedback or kind of show you how to how to tweak something, which is it's a very cool part of the process. It's so useful. I just had yeah, a guy, Oliver, help me with sound and help me understand my microphones more. <laughs> I wish I knew this, like, <laughs> when I started. I know you'll value it a lot more. Sam, I've got some questions that I like to ask people towards the end of the chat. And I mean, we've been talking around kind of some of them already, but what was the last uncomfortable thing that you did and how did you get through it? Probably the last uncomfortable thing I did was giving a talk the National Permaculture Hui. So it was a new audience that I, I didn't belong to this community. A lot of them were new people. Mm-hmm. There were some friends there, fortunately. And I was giving a talk about the interconnection between inner and outer ecology. So the idea that we can take principles and paradigms from ecology, we're learning about the outer landscape and apply them to our internal landscape, to our internal mental processes and biological processes and seeing them and understanding them through this perspective of ecology, patterns and systems, which is quite new um, and something I've been thinking a lot about uh, with some friends. So this was a new talk, a new audience, and... Yeah, and I was also telling some fairly vulnerable stories and poems to create kind of a journey. It went really well, but I was really anxious. And I remember at the beginning, I, I paced quite a lot. And actually, Christina mentioned to me, you probably shouldn't pace so much. And so I was just doing it because it was it helped me claim the space and, I mm. guess, moving. Yeah, and again, I think I just I prepared. I did the work, so I felt confident. I practiced it several times. I showed up and yeah, got in front of people. And I just remember like getting quite anxious. And it was the first time I felt anxious in front of a, a large group in quite a while to that extent. But again, I just, yeah, I did the prep and I just faced it and got into that flow and it, it just ended up going really well. People stood up and and sung a song at the end because it was oh, quite awesome. a powerful talk. Yeah, cool, man. That's, that's very cool. Sam, what is the next uncomfortable thing that you're going to do and why is that uncomfortable for you? I think I'm head down, head down south, actually. I'm in the van. I think the uncomfortable part is going to be being cold and... And also probably trying to maintain putting out an episode every two weeks while being, you know, in places that aren't going to have great internet reception. How am I going to deal with that? I mean, I think now having Christina along helps because it's two people in a van, so it's a bit warmer. And and just staying, actually, it would be the support of different communities, of friends, of supporters of Tough Talk. Some of those that I just have met through, you know, emailing, that'll house us, that'll probably feed us, keep us warm. So 
yeah, a huge part of the success of this has been just putting it out there and then, yeah, accepting that support because that can be a bit challenging too. Just actually saying, oh, okay, I will, I will accept that support. And, uh, you know, you, you just want to give as well. Mm. I think that'll very much make me want to to give to others as much as I can when we have a home or host them as well. Cool. Yeah, and, and you make a good point that sometimes accepting support is the is one of the hardest things to, to do. There has been something to lean into on this on this trip. Yep, saying yes. And people enjoy offering it. You know, you just need to be aware of where their boundaries are and you know, ask. I just check in with people, you know, is this too long? Am I here too long? Or can I can I make dinner or can I do some cleaning or whatever? Yeah. 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 Cool. Sam, do you have any other strategies that you use to approach uncomfortable situations? I think I just use a combination of strategies. It's being aware of what my mind's doing, what my body's doing, so I can sense those signals we talked about and go, okay, something's going on here. Then I start to employ techniques like like my breathing, muscle relaxation, mindfulness, so really like intentionally focusing my attention somewhere it needs to be and paying attention to what's going on in my mind and thinking, you know, is that a useful thought? Is that, you know, is that thought even true and challenging those thoughts mm. where they're, they're not true or useful um, and trying to think in a more useful way, like reframing things. And then, like I said, like you're taking steps, preparation, and ultimately also having boundaries. It's been really helpful. And by boundaries, I mean knowing when to say no to various things, um, knowing when to take a break, you know, when I'm getting a bit run down because it can be just non-stop when you're trying to do a project of passion like this. Yeah, having having good boundaries around my own needs and my own emotional well-being and also ensuring I have a balance. I use a, a system called holistic management which looks at all the different themes in my life that are really important to making me well, making my vision come true and maintaining a balance of those things. So maybe stopping and seeing my family if I haven't done that in a while or, you know, um, connecting with a friend if I haven't seen friends in a while or doing some crafting to use my hands and then just balancing things. Cool, very cool. Sam, I've got a couple more quick questions for you, but I just want to take a moment to say thanks for sitting down and spending some time and having a chat with me today. But um, I also want to say thank you as well for kind of creating a, a space for New Zealand guys to, to have tough conversation, to, to potentially talk about things that they don't usually talk about. And I think one of the, the really valuable things that you are doing with this is that you're you're going first and you're giving permission for other guys to be able to open up and to, to share and actually think, okay, other people that, that we respect are going through situations like we're going through as well. So maybe it's okay for me to, to talk about them too. So thank you so much for creating that opportunity for people. No, you know, it's... um. It's been an absolute pleasure for me too. It's an adventure for myself and it just felt like a need. It just really felt like mm. a need that was speaking to me. So it just sort of happened. Cool. cool. <laughs> First question for you is probably quite easy. If people want to watch some of your videos or if they want to connect with Tough Talk, how do they do that? Where should they go? So we have a website. It's toughtalk.nz and all the videos are on there. Or you can go on Facebook if you look up Tough Talk New Zealand or you know at Tough Talk NZ you'll find us there um, same same thing on Instagram at Tough Talk NZ and those are all the main channels there's also YouTube which again Tough Talk New Zealand cool cool I'll pop some links in the notes for the show with that as well my final question for you Sam is do you have a challenge to leave me and the listeners with this week yeah the challenge is can you go out there and have a conversation that you feel uncomfortable about having you go and face 
yeah, face someone and I seek support about something that's going on for you deep down that you haven't been talking about, or perhaps support someone else who you think you think needs that support, or or of course, you know, say something honest to someone that you've been meaning to to say to them. You know, get uncomfortable, feel those emotions, and help others feel them by being vulnerable. You really need to do it yourself. You really need to get to that point where you're actually feeling, and they can see that for it to create that space that creates change for everyone. That's an awesome challenge to leave us with, I think, Sam. Thank you so much for getting uncomfortable with me today. Yeah, yeah. Thank you, Chris. There you have it, guys. I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Sam O'Sullivan. Make sure to follow along with Tough Talk. Head over to the website, toughtalk.nz, for the amazing interviews that he, he has with a whole lot of fascinating men from New Zealand. Follow along for his uh, his pretty uh, epic journey around New Zealand on, on social media. And yeah, make sure to, sure to give him some love because he's doing some awesome, awesome work. I want to say thank you guys again for your patience waiting for these interview-based episodes to come back online. I'll let you guys know the the full story uh, about why this this has gone on at some point in the future. And I also want to just apologize in advance just in case this kind of schedule gets a little bit disrupted. What I'm thinking of doing over the next couple of weeks is maybe doing an interview-based episode one Tuesday, then the following Tuesday a little a little snippet from me with some, some strategies that you can use to help yourself get out of your comfort zone, and then an interview-based episode the following week, just as we kind of ramp back up into things. And apologies in advance if that schedule changes for you guys. I also want to just remind you as well that there's some other stuff that I've been working on. Some Surmount, which is a course that is going to walk you through a process of identifying your comfort zone and then provide you with the tools that you need to break out of it so that you can take on any challenge. So that is that's going to be coming out hopefully in the next couple of months. So flick me a message if that's something that you're interested in. And we can make sure that you, when, when it goes live, that I let you all of you guys know. Yeah, thank you. Thank you all for the messages over the last couple of weeks as well. It's been been really valuable. If you like what you're hearing here, make sure that you share this episode out with your mates. And thank you all for getting uncomfortable with Sam and I today. Thank you.